Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm William Gallagher, sitting in for Stephen Robles, who, for some reason, has decided to take a holiday or something. It won't catch on. However, as it's me in the main seat now, I have my pick of who to speak to. And obviously, I've asked Andrew O'Hara to come along. And he said, yes, Andrew, hello. How's it going? Well, better now you're here, isn't it? Of course it is. We can, of course. Yeah, because we can talk about Stephen, isn't it? Because yeah, you know I he's know. listening. Yes. <laughs> Stephen, <laughs> You'll have off. to and judge us how he held up while he was gone. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Suddenly worried about that. <laughs> anyway, listen, I'm not kidding. Um, I was very keen to get you on this because even though you and I talk quite a lot at Apple Insider, you talk with everybody at separate things. And you are like this focus point for everything. Because you do the videos productions, mm-hmm. there can't be anything Apple Insider covers that you don't get to film. So do you use every Apple device ever? I mean, I use I use quite a bit. And it's a kind of... Sometimes I have to make sure I'm segmenting myself off, like, from what I have in my studio, like, five different MacBooks available and everything like that, to what I'm actually using in everyday life. Like, I don't want to get caught up in my headspace of, like, this is what a normal person is like. Like, I have to make sure I segment things out of, like, okay, what do I actually use? I have everything available to me. What do I actually use in my day-to-day life? And I have to try to remember that stuff as I'm doing reviews or comparisons and everything just making sure that it's i'm not just kind of getting stuck in the idea of having all of these options like what really does fit with what i'm doing and i really do use my ipad pro like crazy and i use my mac pro those are my primary devices airpods pro and uh my iphone as well obviously and my apple tvs all the time but really my main devices are my mac pro and my ipad pro and uh, I almost never use a laptop any longer. I have my MacBook Pro here where I sometimes, occasionally, do mobile video editing. But right now, it's my Mac OS at Big Sur testing machine that I'm working on. So uh, I've been using it a little bit more just to kind of get used to Big Sur, which I honestly really like. So it's been a, it's a fun gig. I get to test out a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, actually, I'm not sure I was, something surprised me in that is the fact that I think I unconsciously assumed that simply because of the sheer volume of things you have to record and film, you obviously test them, but I assumed it was right, tested, done, ripped apart, examined in every possible <laughs> detail, out of the way, onto the next. But you actually have them around for longer, so you could elect to do everything on a, a Apple's, what was the 6K monitor called? The, the Pro HDR. The Pro Display, one. XDR, yeah. yeah. I ended up not like keeping person. that. Oh. I ended up not keeping that one. I know. I wish I still had it around. Uh, I just couldn't justify it. It was very expensive, and I had a lot of other choices in monitors. And while I liked, you know, the color accuracy and all these other details of it, uh, I, it was just really hard to part with that much money for a display. When I have, I've got a BenQ HDR display that I use quite often, and I've recently switched back over to my ultra wide. And I'm not liking my ultra wide as much. I have the LG ultra wide, and it's not a. I don't know what how like everything is larger on my display. You know what I mean? I feel like I can fit less in it because I'm not sure if it's an actual like 4K display or not. I can't even remember what the resolution is on it, but 
everything is just larger. So even though it's like a, a wider display, I feel like I'm everything feels more cramped on here. But the ultra wide does lend itself to video and audio editing very well. I'm using an ultra wide now, and I, I moved to it from the cheapest possible monitor I could get. But yeah, as much as I like it, I find I would re it's a 34 inch ultra wide. Mm -hmm. I would really like one of the 49ers now. And then they actually, they seem quite narrow. And even compared to an old iMac I used to use, the resolution doesn't seem so good. So I can't imagine what it's like coming from a pro display. I, actually, listen, it's just you and me here. Is that 6K display as good as they say? God, really? It's really pretty amazing, dude. It's pretty, I, I honestly <laughs> really like it. It's incredible to work on. It's a fantastic display. I honestly, I want to try out the that nano etched matte version. I want to see what that's about. I mean, that's an extra grand, I'm pretty sure, on top of that, to get them that nano etched matte finish on the outside. But I think, I don't know. It, I might have been tempted with that one because I, that always bothers me with the glare. I mean, I have a lot of studio lights going on, so sometimes glare can be a bit of an annoyance with things. So I feel like that may have almost persuaded me to keep it. So if I was worried more about color accuracy, I would have I would have kept it. But for what we're doing, color accuracy right. is not going to be my number one thing you know resolution everything else there's a lot of other stuff that we have to take into consideration and color accuracy was just not the number one thing on the list so you made the practical decision to go back to a monster that's <laughs> more like most of us would use but you kept the mac pro didn't you yes we kept the mac pro i love the mac okay. pro there you go then it's a success thing the mac I know, pro see, is perfect i was, I was reasonable i was reasonable yes. and it's not like i'm using a normal display i'm not using like an acer 200 dollar uh you know 20 inch <laughs> display or something like both of these have hdr uh that i work with so they're still very solid displays okay just not six you're very well yeah but you are very happy with the mac pro and i should envy you like mad yes yeah no absolutely Okay, I'm on a Mac Mini, so you know, great. If you don't, if you want to swap forever to get the real life, it's a bit okay. Um, I've got to ask you this because you make so many videos for it. Can you tell us what's coming next? What can we look forward to? Well, so if anyone's been following any of our video production so far, we have been hammering out videos. Uh, as, as far as the new OS updates go. So we've been doing deep dive features into every kind of vertical within the OS. So looking at everything new with just messages and the messages app in iOS 14, um, going into just the new watch faces and complication and everything on watch OS 7, all of that kind of deal. We are mixing it up a little bit. We've got a couple of new ones coming just to kind of break the mold. We're doing uh, Apple finally actually released the mac pro ssd upgrade kit and you can actually now swap out that default bootable ssd in your mac pro so we just did that video is out by the time that this podcast is out that'll be live that's going live on thursday and then on friday or saturday we're going to be doing a comparison with the razor stealth and the 13 inch new macbook pros so that's another comparison we'll be doing and then going into next week Back to those update videos uh, covering more iPad OS and Apple Pencil and a whole bunch more deep dives into Apple's new operating systems. 
Which all sounds great, except there's one thing I don't understand, Inspector. You've done upgrading the SSD in the Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought the entire purpose of the macro, Mac Pro was that it was, you know, modular. You could pull bits out. So is the yeah. video 30 seconds long of pulling out one thing and pushing <laughs> in the other? Okay, so that's a really good question, and it is absolutely not that easy. There's two options you have with a Mac Pro. Well, three. Three options on a Mac Pro when it comes to storage. So you can grab any external storage, USB, uh, Thunderbolt, anything like that, outfit your Mac Pro, boom, you got piles of external storage. But again, like you said, it is modular and you shouldn't have to rely on external storage to do that. You should be able to do stuff uh, on the inside of the machine, keep things cleaner, less wires, less points of failure, a whole bunch of you know benefits to going with uh, something internal rather than external. So internal options, there are the um, Apple modules, MPX modules, I think they call them, that'll slide into those PCIe slots down there at the bottom. There is a SATA connector towards the top they are able to tie into. So you have options like the Promise, I think it's the J2i, which is a little enclosure that goes in towards the top that allows you to add, it can come with like an eight terabyte hard drive or you can add your own hard drives to it. Uh, There are a few other ones coming out, I believe, uh, from a couple other companies that are launching. OWC has the Excelsior, which is a MPX module, or not, it's a PCIe module that has four M2 drives inside of there, so it's blazing fast. Uh, Promise has the R4i, which is, that's an actual MPX module that's got four drives inside of it for up to like 32 terabytes. Pretty amazing, which is like $3,400 or something along those lines. Not anything crazy, or maybe it's even less than that, but a good deal for adding 32 terabytes of storage on the inside of the Mac Pro. So you can go all of those routes, but what the Pro Upgrade Kit is, is the actual Apple-installed SSD. And historically, any Mac that comes with a T2 chip, that's their security chip that Apple creates, uh, it does not allow you to swap out the SSDs. Those are actually like connected together, authenticated together. And if you would swap out the SSD, it would break your machine, essentially. And they released this Mac Pro SSD upgrade kit that allows you to swap out those SSDs for a larger storage amount. So one, it could be people just, maybe they're filling up all their PCIe slots and they need, you know, some more room there. So they want to upgrade the primary SSDs. Or you do a lot on your primary SSD that you don't want to offload to other drives. I have a lot of my um, Final Cut Media, like a lot of my motion projects that are like the transitions and uh, generators and effects and all things like that. And it eats up like 100 gigs of storage on my machine. And all those are stored just on my primary drive. So I really, I I picked up the 256 drive, I'm pretty sure, which was not nearly enough space and I regretted it instantly. I made this mistake with an iPad Pro like two years ago and I hated myself for it and I did it again with the Mac Pro, so I have to stop buying two low storage options. But really you're just upgrading that. So it's the bootable one the main one and you have to not only swap out those SSDs there using like your T8 Torx screwdriver but then you have to connect it to a different Mac and then use Apple configurator to restore the T2 firmware to marry it with the new SSDs that you install 
that's the part that's different. It's a little weird. You literally need a second Mac to just restore the T2's firmware so it is kind of authenticated with the new SSD. Then you go through the whole process of reinstalling Mac OS, then restoring your data. And that's what we walk through in the video. Okay. Um, that's all. I'm not going to say I regret asking, but I truly <laughs> didn't think that would be the answer. There's one I, I Mac Pro owner out there who found that interesting. Everything, everyone else was like, <laughs> no, no. But I Best dream one. of a Mac Pro... Yeah, but I, I'm hearing you. I should be happy with my 128 gigabyte 2018 Mac Mini. Yes, none of these hassles. I love the Mac Mini. I think it's a powerhouse. It's a great little machine. I ran one for years, and then all of a sudden it stopped booting. And I tried replacing. I literally bought like multiple power supplies online uh, to try to swap it out, and I could not get it to boot back up ever again. So I don't know what happened, but RIP my little Mac Mini. I'm very sorry to hear it. I know. But I understand from just the odd comments you make from time to time that the Mac Pro is not with... Oh, you actually know you had a big problem with it. You didn't have to go back to... Uh, well, when we could go into Apple Source, you had to go into Apple Source with it. So, oh, you know, man, things yeah. go wrong with any machine, don't they? But that's all solved? Or fixed? No. No. <laughs> nope. So, okay. I'll get a cup of tea. I'm, I'm not going okay. to the whole story. I'm ready. I'm not going to the whole story. But when that last thing happened, we really focused on the procedure and where Apple was falling short as far as repairing the Mac Pro. Uh, still a new machine, and a lot of people just didn't know how to upgrade things, or not even upgrade things, they didn't just know how to use it. They tried to use a, a USB-C power supply from a MacBook Pro to plug into a Mac Pro to turn it on. Like, that was clearly not going to be, you know, a good solution there, and they were doing that as a genius in the Apple Store. So that's what we yeah. focused on there, but we never really went into what the problem was with the Mac Pro, and... The problem is still occurring, and there is what it came down to is there is this ridiculous amount of delay with Bluetooth peripherals. Speaking of Magic Keyboard, Magic Trackpad, Magic Mouse, all of them they are just ridiculously laggy, and it makes using the machine impossible. Sometimes you're typing on the keyboard, and all of a sudden it'll start typing multiple characters or it'll just stop typing for a second and then 30 characters will show up all at once. Um, you're using the mouse, all of a sudden it'll stop moving and then all of a sudden it jumps to the other side of the screen. Or it does the thing where uh, you shake it to find your mouse and the cursor gets really large. It'll just think you did that and just get huge out of nowhere. Uh, and it's, it's impossible. And they had done so much diagnostic testing and they were coming back with saying everything on diagnostics are clean, but they were still replicating the issue. In the Apple Store, they're literally seeing the issue and they had no solution on how to fix it. And the last thing that we kind of left it at pre-pandemic was to go home, restore everything, and try seeing if a fresh install of macOS solved the issue. Now, there are reports out there of Catalina causing some mouse lag issues. This is not that. This is separate from those Catalina issues. Uh, and that's where we had left it and we, I'd got back here and it, I had been without my Mac Pro for like a couple weeks or something at this point and I needed my workhorse to get work done. So I had not gone back in. Then the whole global pandemic COVID thing happened and, you know, stores are closing everywhere and, and there was no real good option to get back into a store to get this thing looked at again. And it came up again during this, this, uh, you know, migration of my SSDs. I'm doing the swap out with the new ones. 
and literally like on the restore screens where there's like not even an operating system to speak of except for uh, um, you know the SSDs are blank and there's nothing else running and it's still the mouse is like unusable I'm like struggling to click through click boxes going through this process and it's just infuriating so the issue is not resolved it is still happening we cannot get you know this thing uh, fixed we're definitely going to go back to the Apple store as soon as it's safe to and we can be without the computer for a little while Fortunately, there is a relatively easy workaround, which is wired peripherals. I have to plug in my keyboard and my mouse all the time. It is obnoxious because it takes up multiple USB ports on the back of my machine, which I need for things, but it does give me you know, a workaround. Whenever they're connected, wired, no issues whatsoever. So we're still trying to get that resolved. No one else I've seen has had issues with this, and Apple's diagnostics all come back clean. So I still don't know what is causing this. I still love the machine otherwise, but it's such a random, obscure issue to be running into. Honestly, I think it's just a bit fussy, really. That's what it is. I mean, just imagine you're using your mouse or you're typing and just letters stop appearing, or your mouse just decides to click somewhere else. Like, it's it's really frustrating when it just continuously happens and happens and happens and happens, and it's almost just like grating and just, just I don't know, it is really extremely frustrating to try to use day in and day out. This episode is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. Clean My Mac X is an all-in-one cleaning and optimizing software. First of all, you've probably heard me talk about it a couple times before. One of my favorite features is I was looking for something that when I delete an app, it cleans up all those helper and support files that I don't have to go and poke around to my application support and make sure that app is totally gone. Clean My Mac X does it for me. When I want to delete something, it searches my entire computer and makes sure everything goes with the app. Clean My Mac X is one package that combines the most useful features for your Mac. It even gives you a system scan to detect outdated junk files, and it lets you see what exactly takes up that valuable space in your Mac storage by building a virtual map. I love the UI of this app. It's very clean and modern design. Every feature is clear and you get step-by-step explanations on every tweak Clean My Mac X does on your Mac. And I've never mentioned this before, it has an incredibly informative menu bar icon. And when you click that menu bar, it'll give you the free space on your Mac, the CPU load, the RAM memory that's available, and a bunch of other essentials. The menu is beautifully designed and gives you a sneak peek at everything going on at your Mac system. So visit macpaw.com slash podcast. That's M-A-C-P-A-W dot com slash podcast to download Clean My Mac X today. And use our special coupon code Apple Insider to receive 5% off. When you visit macpaw.com slash podcast, click the buy now button, scroll to the bottom of your screen, and enter the promo code Apple Insider before completing your purchase. You can also get Clean My Mac X now in the App Store. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X and MacPaw for sponsoring this show. All right, so I have a, actually my Mac Mini has intermittent trackpad faults. So I just put it down to Bluetooth being alchemy, but if you're getting mm-hmm. more of it, we should get rid of all of these machines. And you know what we should buy now, don't you? If what? it was available, yeah. An iPhone running Mac OS. Yeah. That would be yeah. right there. I'm going to swap out my Mac Pro with an iPhone running Mac OS. Uh, an iPhone SE, you think? Um, could it drive <laughs> a monitor like yours? I mean, it's got the same processor as all the other iPhones, so I don't see why not, right? 
Okay, sorted. All right. Uh, just in case anyone hasn't heard this, there has been a report, uh, actually not the first report, but uh, quite a strident report saying that Apple is actually excited about putting the Mac on iPhone and stuff. Uh, Apple's talked before about using the iPhone as a kind of um, peripheral to a Mac. And whenever you say that, that makes me think of the way there, there are some device, Android devices, aren't there, that uh, become computers when you slot them into the right docks and things. But here, the yeah, idea of like your this. iPhone, that's the one. Yes, have you mm-hmm. ever actually used one of those? Yep. Yeah, a few times. A little work? bit on, because we did a Galaxy Tab, like, S6 compare, which has, like, dex mode. Like, you connect it to the keyboard and everything, and, like, boom, puts you in, like, that desktop mode where it gives you, like, a desktop interface. But you're still running on a tablet. I mean, I don't know. I per- I don't like the interface changing, to be honest. Like, it just seems, like, jarring to me of, like, all of a sudden I'm, like, I'm doing, like, the same work, but it's, like, changing the whole UI. So I can- I do prefer, like, you know, how the iPad works. It just feels like it's a really good user interface for both getting, like, work done, like, computer style, and just enjoyment of being a tablet. I'll tell you what this reminded me of, though. Do you, have you been around, you've been around a while. Have you been around long enough to remember the PowerBook Duos? Vaguely. I mean, I wasn't using okay. them, but I know oh, them. I feel so old. Everybody lusted after a PowerBook Duo, and I forgot what the the docking station was called. But you would put your your PowerBook Duo in like you're putting a VHS tape into a machine. I mean, if I'm going to sound old, I might as well go the whole way. VHS tapes, all of this stuff. It would slot in, and you would have this desktop computer, and everybody loved it until they heard the price. It's just it was far more. Wasn't than it just called the Duo Dock or something? Yes, it was. Thank you. Yes. I gotcha. Okay. He's older than he sounds. Okay, good. Um, actually, though, I, I'm with you about interfaces and things. I, I like the Mac looking like the Mac, the iPhone looking like the iPhone, although Big Sur is kind of blowing that a little bit. But one of the things I dislike about Android is that whenever I've used an Android tablet, it feels like an Android phone just kind of wrenched up a bit. Presumably, if I plug one of these things into a computer, the entire monitor is still is a phone display just stretched out. Yeah. So is this really just like an academically interesting issue uh, exercise that nobody would find practical use for? You mean the Mac OS on an iPhone or the Samsung DeX? Well, I'm, I'm starting with the DeX, but I'm, I'm extending this to everything. Is this as exciting as Apple seems to think, or is it no, just technically interesting? What do you, what do you think? I guess it depends on on where they're going with this. So I'm not a huge fan of Samsung DeX, for, especially for tablets. For phones, it makes it a little bit better uh, because you are going from a really small phone interface to using it on a monitor, and you do need to have a more desktop-like experience going from a phone to a monitor. On a tablet, you're going from like a tablet, and even just connecting a keyboard, you're now like a different mode of like DeX mode. And personally, I just wasn't fond of that in you're splitting Samsung's development time of two different user interfaces, connected or not connected, and I'd rather just have one more refined experience overall. But the iPhone running Mac OS, I mean, I, I assume there's doing, it would be something similar to DeX, where you'd have your iPhone UI, iOS UI all the time, and then you, you dock it into a monitor, and then all of a sudden you're running Mac OS, but I, 
I don't know. This seems more of just like a, a toy project than anything real. Like, I don't know what the kind of the purpose of that is, because at that point, I'd rather just I'd rather the iPad had more desktop like functionality. I want to see Final Cut. I want to see logic coming to my iPad. I want to see multiple monitor support coming to the iPad um, where I can actually move the mouse across multiple displays on the iPad. I would rather that than trying to worry about running Mac OS on an iPhone. Yeah, that makes sense. My only thing is that actually I have run Mac OS on my iPhone. Well, yes. I use uh, screens, VNC, to... Okay. Well, you remember back in the day when we used to travel around? Uh, last time I did this, I was in my garden doing it. Uh, but I can control the Mac from there. And I've kind of got used to... Uh, I have found a component on the Mac that I, I haven't got on iOS. So just being able to nip in, change a setting, and get out again, it's really useful. So, yeah, I, I want to see it, but I don't know that I'd buy it. Too yeah, I'm not sure though. what real... Where that would yeah. fit into my... A workflow, I don't know. Well, that's, that's the thought. You, you, if it happens, you're going to be making a video about it, aren't you? So <laughs> you will definitely get to see it. Yeah, Tell will you I what, use you it for two that. days and make a video and be done, or will I actually use it? Yeah, but you'll be making the video for all of us, won't you, to save us bothering with it. That's <laughs> what you'll be doing. It's a service you provide. Well, if it's just running on uh, iPhone, everyone's going to get it, but everyone will have it. And everyone buys the new iPhone anyway. A lot of people buy the new iPhones. So if it's just a new feature that comes via iOS or whatever they would build the operating system as at that point, uh, you know, is it going to be yeah. a paid add-on there or, or is it just a docking station? They're going to charge us 50 bucks, 100 bucks for a docking station that does it. I don't know. You know they'll find a way to charge us. It is Apple, after all. They'll make the feature free, but it'll only work with a dock, which they make. <laughs> Yes, nice. Uh, but speaking of iPhones and buying them, um, I'm almost reluctant to get into this because it's like every week there's a different story about this. iPhone 12 has been delayed. iPhone 12 hasn't been delayed. Uh, I've actually been writing about this. Have you been following the, the, the very latest ins and outs of when we'll see this? Yeah, I mean, as best I can. Like you said, it's literally like every other day or something, you know, a yeah. supply chain report, Quo is out. Something is just changing with with when this is happening if it's still going to launch in september or if it's going to launch in november or it's going to be announced in september but released like a month later everything just be is changing constantly i was just talking someone called me up uh someone i work with a lot and they're working on some project and needed to know some details on iphone 12 launch windows and i about laughed them off the phone because there's no <laughs> everything is changing <laughs> like every two seconds i have no idea what to expect at this point I think there's, I'm wondering actually if people make money out of gambling on this because the, the it's delayed, it's not delayed, but it sounds like people trying to fearing the odds. And there was a very dramatic, what sounded like a dramatic story this week, that Apple was slicing, slicing, slashing its component orders in half. <laughs> but it turned out to be for 2020. It's the iPhone 12, they're expecting to make fewer in 2020, which could mean they don't think anybody's going to buy 5G. Or it could be they think that nobody can afford anything with the current situation. That might be more possible. But it sounds much more likely that they're just not going to start selling them for a few weeks later. So there's going to be less 2020 to sell them in. Also. Yeah, so that, that makes, sense. makes sense. I mean, this is supposed to be yeah. a super cycle, right? How many times have we heard that this is the big super cycle? 5G plus redesigned body means 
a huge number of people upgrading. So, I mean, if they're slashing components, it's likely, like you said, just for the year, selling it later in the year. It's scheduling, isn't it? It's, I mean, Apple's famous for how well it handles operations and logistics. It'll be, yeah. it's most likely something like that. But I realized, actually, when the iPhone 11 Pro came out, I had no intention of buying it. I had a 10s Max, I liked it. And then they showed that Filmic Pro thing with multiple camera shooting things, which isn't as good as it looked, but it's still good. And that was it. I was sold and I Sucker. bought one. So my, my plan for holding out for the 12 fell apart. And actually, maybe I was wrong, but I liked the 10s Max. I love the 11 Pro, so I'm, I'm very happy with it. But any delay in the 12 gives me longer to save up for it, so I'm all right with that. Uh, I've forgotten if you've already said this, when you were talking about all your Mac Pros and things, uh, do you use an iPhone? What have you got at the moment? Uh, I have the 11 Pro Max, and I really like it. I do love it. I'm, I'm pretty committed to buying every year still. I'm definitely going to be upgrading to the 12 when it launches, probably regardless. I'm one of those people who are just going to do it for the sake of doing it. But to be fair, I'm doing this like not only is it just kind of my own personal I want this type of thing, but it's also for work. We're going to produce so much content around this that it would be impossible for me to do anything without, you know, owning that phone. So that's how I adjust it to myself internally and to my wife when I tell her that we have to spend more money on another phone. <laughs> it's just practical again. That's it. Yeah. You, uh-huh. you, you're not even interested in this stuff. It's just, you know, straightforward, sensible. Okay. Hang on. Why am I a sucker for buying an 11 Pro then? Ooh. Okay. Because <laughs> you got suckered in just for Filmic Pro demo right before uh, that's true. the 12. Yes. Yeah, I should say the only thing I, the Filmic Pro, the, the thing that's wrong is, uh, although, yes, you can shoot with multiple cameras, you can only shoot in 1080p, and you, know, you can't shoot in the cameras full uh, full 4K. Uh, and I need that uh, for various things I'm shooting. So it's a nice toy at the moment, but I really like the cameras, and I'm, I love the fact that it, the forward facing camera is a higher resolution. So mm-hmm. I've actually been using a lot of teleprompter apps and things, which I couldn't yeah. on the 10s Max. So, you know. You know, I'm actually debating this uh, cycle around if I want to stick with a larger display or not. Mm. Because I think they're supposed to be even bigger now, aren't they? Is the new one supposed to... I can't remember the size off the top of my head, so I could be misspeaking. I thought it was supposed to be even bigger. It is. There's one of them that's supposed to be even bigger. Uh, If if we'd been talking two weeks ago, uh, I would have said forget the bigger size one they're worthless the 11 pro is the utterly perfect size but uh since i still have last year's tennis max i use it as a second camera i put ios 14's beta on it and i've been using it a lot i'm finding i really like it i've been using it instead of my ipad in some places so we should just buy all that's why i go back and forth a little bit because i use my ipad so much so i'm like i like the bigger screen on my ipad i'm so productive there magic keyboard and everything I use my phone a little bit less, and then at sometimes, just a few times, I'm like, "This is a, a little too large." So I don't know. I, I'm I'm going to be up on the fence until like it's literally like time to pre-order, and I'm just going to have to yes. slip a coin and press a button. Which iPad do you have? Uh, I have the 2020 iPad Pro, 12.9 inch. Oh right, yeah, I have a 12.9 inch from 2015, and and it is a bit big. Also, mine's not working. So well. Okay. 
Oh no, don't do that, don't do that. Suddenly I want a new iPad, stop it. Let's move on to something else, something else. Um, something we, can't, we cannot buy. Uh, this week, uh, yet another story came out of Apple aiming to remove something else from our bags and our handbags and our wallets. Um, you know, we've, uh, WWDC, they mentioned car keys. We've already, I mean, teenagers apparently no longer carry mirrors around with them. They just use their phones. Well, now Apple is pursuing passports driving licenses and all that would you give up your passport for an iphone app in a heartbeat in okay a heartbeat i am i live in fear of like losing my passport or my wallet i am very much one of those i would love to go all digital and ditch my credit cards and ditch my id uh on a day-to-day basis i forget my wallet all the time in different pockets or on my desk um i don't know i just i would love to get rid of my wallet but i know i always have to have at least one card for the places that don't take apple pay and i need my id uh you know for getting pulled over or drinking or whatever it is uh, that i would need to be prepared to have an id for and i would love to have like one less thing to lose and keep all that in my phone and people have fought me on this, William. People have been like, why would you put your credit cards like on the back of your phone or in your phone? Because if your phone gets stolen, then you're losing your ID and your credit card. But my point is, why would you want to have a second thing that can be stolen? Because your wallet can be yeah. stolen just as easily and in some cases easier because it's so easy to pickpocket where your phone is usually glued to your hand. You may not notice your wallet for hours at a time, but you're going to notice your phone missing in like 30 seconds. So, and you can remotely lock, purge, back up everything in your phone. And if your wallet's gone, have fun, you know, canceling everything and going all the manual route for everything that you lost in there. So honestly, I love everything, everything like with my phone, one thing, less to lose, more secure, bring it on. I actually thought this would be more of a debate than it is because no. I completely agree. <laughs> I, there's nothing to debate. I'll fight you. But I don't have okay. to because you agree. <laughs> yes, completely. It's just I'm thrown by the fact that you still need to carry one card around because of places that don't care. But there is nowhere in the UK that accepts cards that doesn't accept other way because of uh, contactless and all that. So I've been using mm-hmm. my watch everywhere since. And actually five years in or whatever it is, I'm still getting people go. Get you look at that but i like it it's great running through oh. london and well back when i used to go to london pre all of this to just zoom through the underground without having to queue for tickets and stuff ah oh, love it so bring it on yes okay actually though oh right and this is yet another reason why i wanted to talk to you um i said just a moment to get back uh, passport stuff it's apple yet again doing this thing of taking things away so you only have to carry your phone but you did a really interesting video about apple killing other things didn't you about uh, what apple killed off or tried to kill off a wwdc uh what was the biggest thing you think they tried to nobble yeah. um i mean there's a lot of them on the list i don't know which one i guess i would say is the biggest one it really just depends on your use cases what you count as big so like bootcamp is a prominent one. Bootcamp is no longer going to run on the the Apple Silicon True. Max. So if you use bootcamp in any way, whether you're gaming or for work, I mean, there's plenty of tests that are out there that show how 
Windows runs best and performs best on Apple hardware. And if you're one of those people who are buying a Mac just to run Windows, you can't do that on Apple Silicon. So boot camp going away, something that's big being killed as a, I mean, as a Mac user, I don't, I don't care about that as much because I am running Mac OS for everything. So that one didn't bother me, but I was particularly annoyed with force touch being killed on Apple watch. This is like a pet peeve of mine because I loved 3d touch on my iPhone and I hate haptic touch. It is slower, not as you know, accurate, cumbersome. I don't like it. And I hated when Apple uh, ditched it and kind of even removed like the just removed like functionality kind of in the betas as it was kind of getting ready to ditch it. And then the new phones, of course, don't have that sensor at all in there. But now they're doing the same thing to my Apple Watch. So now you can't use Force Touch if you're wa running WatchOS 7 beta. And of course, when WatchOS finally ships, it's going to completely remove that Force Touch. Even though the hardware is still on all the existing watches, the software is going to remove that feature. And the new Apple Watch uh, Series 6 is likely to remove that force touch sensitive like panel that's able to measure the depth of your presses so that's likely to be removed likely hopefully make the watch thinner so there's some benefit but i i hate that it's going away because there's already two big things that i notice all the time which is changing your watch face instead of like force touching on your face you have to do a long hold and it just it takes like a second and it feels slow it makes me feel like my watch somehow got slower not because I'm in a beta, but just because force touch is gone. And then same thing goes when you're trying to change your app view, your app layout. It's normally in that big grid, but I only know the ones kind of in the center. So if I'm looking for something, I'll force touch the center, which automatically switches it to list view in alphabetical order. I'll glide down, tap the one I want, boom. And when I go back, press it again, automatically switches to grid. Not anymore because force touch is gone. So instead you have to go to your app layout then find the settings app, then go to the app layout section, then choose between grid or list, and then you have to hit the side button a bunch of times to go back to your app layout menu. And it, it, it is cumbersome and annoying. And Apple is telling developers, you know, this is going away, start putting anything that was inside of force touch into additional menus or use long holds. And I think it's inconsistent to go between, you know, varying in menus and long holds and I don't know, it irks me. I loved Force Touch and I think they should have utilized it a lot more than they did because it was already inconsistent with watchOS 6. There was times they were using it and times that they weren't using it and there was no real clear way when to use it or not use it or when it was available as a feature. So I think Apple should have used it more. That way people would have realized more often than not that was an option, but they didn't. They started stripping it out a little bit at a time from different apps and now here we go completely gone altogether. Hmm. I, I admit this, I wasn't with you uh, when you were saying this about the, removing it from the iPhone because it just wasn't that fussed. The haptic ones to me seems the same. But yeah, um, I'm nice. now with you on the phone. <laughs> well, in the stuff I used, I, I at one point I remember thinking, has it gone or not? And I wrote, well, I obviously don't care then. But in the watch, yes, I use Force Touch a huge amount. See, but exactly. still. Yeah, I mean, okay, so now you have to swipe, tap, scroll, wait. It gives you, specifically you, something to do while you're waiting for your uh, Mac Pro's keyboard to catch up. Yeah. That's... <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. I it, <laughs> right. it annoyed me more on the iPhone to be honest because you can't do. There's just very there's less you can just do there. And I always now am freaking invoking the camera or the flashlight on my home screen because I'll pick it up and I'll just rest my finger there or I'm pulling it out of my pocket and I'm just touching there. With with 3D touch, you had to actually press in to activate those. Now, if your finger is there for a half a second, it invokes them. And to me, that is really annoying. I'm like, I literally just hold my phone for a second and all of a sudden I open my camera and I'm swiping out of it. Or the uh, different degrees of... Uh, flashlight brightness, being able to choose, kind of just drag and hold or press different amounts with 3D touch. I feel like it had a bunch of benefits over haptic touch. It feels slower and there's some things you could do with 3D touch that you can no longer do with haptic touch. So I'm going to be irked about that one for probably a while. The next year when you have me on the podcast again, when Steven's gone, I'll complain about it then too. Okay, let's let's just breathe, both of us, and let's think of nice things. For example, I think that cheered me up terribly. Uh, you know, since WWDC and the developer week, things are coming out and we're learning bits and pieces more. Uh, one of them was, uh, that I didn't know over the week, was the enhancements to uh, voice memos. Because I actually mm-hmm. record a lot of interviews on that. And now it's going to be better. I haven't actually yeah, tried it out yet. Do you know the differences? Can you hear it? I haven't messed with it that much yet. That's on my list for videos. So I've played around with it. I've looked at the new features. Um, I'm really excited for the enhanced recordings, which is going to reduce the background noise and echo from recordings. I'm really excited to try that out because you don't always have control over those things. You know, like if I'm in my studio, I'm recording, I can control, you know, the amount of background noise that's happening for the most part. But if you're doing an interview or you're out, you're like, there's so many different times where you're going to be using that recording and you don't have that option to have control over the environment. And just being able to one touch remove that kind of stuff is awesome. So I'm really, really excited for that one. The other ones are just nice being able to um, have the smart folders and everything like that. That'll be handy. Uh, There's a few other changes in there too that I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm sure you have a whole annotated list over there. But I think that enhanced recordings was my biggest want and feature that we got. I think so too, but I'm going to wait for you to do the video and learn from you. That's what I'll do. So please (laughs) hurry up with that. Next week, uh, I can't talk to you. You cannot be on this podcast without a mention of the frankly legendary new Apple Insider podcast, the HomeKit uh, Insider one. I mean, that's that's still brand new, isn't it? But you came at right just the right time. There's tons of stuff at WWDC, weren't there? Oh yeah. Is there a particular thing that was that stands out for you that I should pay attention to as a HomeKit user? Well, do you use um, any HomeKit cameras or security cameras around your home? I've tried it. I've plugged in old iPhones and done that. I, I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. looking for a, a permanent solution. Um, but they've actually, things tend to be more expensive here in the UK than the US for some reason. So uh, are you, you going to tell me something that will make me spend extra cash? So, oh, yeah. That's what I do, thanks. actually. That's actually what the HomeKit okay. Insider podcast is, is I just talk about things <laughs> that are cool, and then Stephen goes and buys them, I think is what, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's what each episode is. Um, How can you do that and have holidays? I mean, I, I presume he's right. holidaying at home or something, but, you know, God, okay. I know, I know. Oh, that's it. He's holidaying at home using all the home kit stuff he's just bought because of you. It he's all works it. together. Good. He'll have more to talk about on the podcast then. 
Okay. I'm very keen to follow the podcast developments, especially over the beta and stuff, because uh, I haven't got the beta of TVOS, but I know mm-hmm. the stuff in there. So, uh, go, yet again, I will be relying on you to tell me what's going on. Well, this. we've we've done a video on this already, so there is a video and article out there of everything new with HomeKit in iOS 14, as well as macOS Big Sur uh, and TVOS 14. There's some big changes here, some really fun stuff. A lot with the cameras, uh, the few things that I had on my list that were like must-haves, Apple did, which is zones, activity zones. So now when you have a HomeKit secure video camera, you can draw on the live view to dictate where it will monitor for motion so you don't get a bunch of just errant alerts coming in. And the indoor cameras will be good for that, but I think it's also going to be really beneficial for doorbell cameras. Because sometimes you don't you don't care about like the sidewalk or the road that may be captured on your video and it's kind of triggering your motion sensors. You'll be able to just to say like just my porch or just the porch in the driveway or something like that that's going to allow you to really dial in what is triggering motion and recording and what isn't. So activity zones are going to be huge. Uh, facial recognition is coming. And honestly, we talked about this on the podcast, uh, HomeKit Insider, and I am still... This is like something that I love from Apple of why their stuff working together is just really good. They're using, because they could do facial recognition and you could be manually, oh, we detected a new face and kind of make it a more of a manual process, which we've seen from other cameras like the Natatmo uh, smart indoor camera. They do a great job of it, but it's very manual. With uh, iOS 14, it's actually using your photo library. It's going to use your photo library and the people you have tagged the faces of in there to recognize them when they're on camera and, you know, be alerted. So if they're on your door, you can get get alerted that, you know, your your sister is there or something and you'll get a notification that says, hey, Susie is at your front door. And I love that. And not only does it use that photo library to get that information and to figure that out, it's all done you know, locally in your home, so it's not sending stuff up to the cloud to worry about privacy issues, and it works across your, you know, iOS devices, iPadOS devices, but your HomePod can announce it, so if someone rings a doorbell, it'll be like, hey, this person's ringing your door, and it'll even show up on your Apple TV now, you'll get a little notification in the corner saying this person's at your door, you get a live view of them, and it'll, you know, tell you their name if it knows who they are based on facial recognition. So I think all of that is just incredibly smart. It is all just very well tied together. The other big thing for me is macOS Catalina, not Catalina, uh, Big Sur. Finally add support. I was thinking C word because I'm thinking of Catalyst. Catalyst on macOS is adding support yes. for HomeKit. So now we can get developers to create amazing HomeKit apps for the Mac. So we're going to see, you know, Aaron Pierce is already committed to doing home cam and home pass, a great way to look at all your cameras and store all of your home kit uh, passcodes. And I know we're going to see a bunch more from other people. There are widgets on there now, so you'll be able to create a home kit app plus widgets to more control your home. I'm really excited. There's so many different things that can happen with home kit on the Mac with third-party developer yeah. support. So that's a huge one for me a huge one so those are probably my biggest ones there's a bunch of other little features there adaptive lighting that changes its uh hue based on the time of day a little bit warmer in the morning 
cooler for focus in the middle of the day, warmer again at night, uh, removing that blue light to help you get to sleep better. There's a uh, redesigned apps and there's new controls inside of HomeKit, a new setup and pairing process, recommended automations based on the type of device it is. Uh, and ones you may not think about, like maybe in your living room, it sees that you have a light and you have blinds. Maybe it'll say turn on your lights when the blinds open past 50% because you're opening your blinds, you're likely looking for more light. So maybe you want to turn your lights on when you open your blinds. So little automations like that, that you may not think about right away, uh, it's going to start suggesting those to you when you're setting up a device, as well as just looking at it in the home app, there'll be just toggles for all these recommended automations you can just turn on. And I think that's gonna get a lot of people to start automating their devices without having to go through the hassle of actually creating an automation. You can literally see it right there and toggle it on right as you're setting it up. And I think that's just gonna be brilliant. Right, I'm sold, I'm done. done. Right. If I weren't already subscribing to HomeKit Insider, when does it come out, when would I get it? That is a great question, William. Uh, HomeKit Insider drops every Monday morning, for the most part, uh, every Monday morning. We did do a special uh, developer conference episode that was later in the week, but really, every Monday, new episode of HomeKit Insider. We're going to touch on the news, new devices that are releasing or updates that are coming out, uh, walking through these betas as we test out more features. Uh, we're going to get on there today. We're going to answer a whole bunch of user questions. We're going to um, tackle a couple uh, automation things. We're gonna talk about uh, more smart home stuff in general, some news, uh, and we got an early look at the home cam beta on macOS Big Sur. So some fun stuff coming up on Monday's episode. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that. I will listen to that. Thank you for taking time away from that and the videos and choosing which Mac to use when to talk with me on this. Um, when Stephen comes back, I'm sure we'll all talk again, but it's nice to have had this, us having a proper chat about this uh if anybody wants to reach you what's your uh, your twitter thingy handle thingy yes my thingy is andrew underscore osu over on twitter twitter handle thingy thingy yeah that's a, that's yeah after that if anybody wants to reach me i'm w gallagher on it so yeah this is a good time to stop nice talking to you thanks everybody for listening speak to you next week